the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. What is going on? Have a really cool, fun episode today. Joined by none other than The Butcher from AEW, Andy Williams from the band Every Time I Die. Uh, Even though the band just wrapped things up back in December, Um, Really cool to have Andy on and just shoot the shit with the guy. I mean, obviously talking about his entire musical career, getting into pro wrestling. But those things aside, this guy is a very interesting and intricate human being. Just his like mindset on things, um, the, the things that he has like gone through to learn and to learn music and troubles he had in school, all those things. Um, I didn't know he dabbled in the culinary world. I had not a clue. I want to say he is the Renee proclaimed king of Buffalo. I don't know if he's like the self-proclaimed, but I'll proclaim it on his behalf. Um, maybe even of Toronto. Okay, let's not get crazy of Toronto, but he spent a lot of time there as we discussed. Uh, this is a really, really fun episode. So many different things to talk to about this guy beyond the fact that he's from such a massively successful band, massively uh, successful pro wrestling career. And just all of the in-betweens. And finding love. Who doesn't love a little love for the butcher, you know? Let's get into it. This is Andy Williams. I think I may have interviewed you when I was like 20. Really? Where? I think so. When you guys were doing Warp Tour. So I was, I used to, the very first show I ever did was called Rippin' It and Lippin' It with Renee. Good name. Um, But I would interview bands, usually bands like you guys coming through Warp Tour and all of those things. But I mean, it was short lived. I did it when I was so young and I had not a fucking clue what I was doing. Like I probably if I did interview you, I would have asked you like the dumbest questions. But as I was like prepping and like going through your guys stuff, I'm like, I think I did. I tried to like find a video of it. And luckily I didn't find it because I probably would have had to cancel this otherwise. But yeah, we maybe go back farther than we know. I, the only other time I like walked into a dinner that you were into and I said one word and you literally went, are you from North Tonawanda? 
And I pulled out my ID and handed you my ID and my ID said North Tonawanda on it. And you were like, no fucking way. The city that's always burning. It was, you guys were eating sushi somewhere in like Orlando and a buddy of mine, like we like knew some of you guys and like took me there. And like, I, I, all I said was one thing. It was really funny. In Toronto, we would always get those Buffalo commercials. So we would get the, oh, you're in Tanawanda. The worst part is you're not the first person that's ever said that to me. Like numerous people, like when they're from Toronto or like Hamilton or something like that, like just over the border, they'll always go, oh, North Tanawanda, that's a city that's always burning. Like there's always fires in that city. And you're like, I'm, like for me, I'm like, oh, I guess, I don't, I don't know. What's with that? Why are there always fires? I have no idea. Now I live like 20 minutes away, so... Are you like the king of Buffalo? Like, it's pretty crazy that you guys have like ads. Like, I, I feel like I see people take the photos of you guys like around Buffalo. That's got to be like, I mean, I know you've done a million things, obviously, but still, that's like pretty cool to be able to like that hometown pride's awesome. The band did like a charity, like a big charity thing at the end of the year for like 20 years straight. So like in like at the last year, I mean, we probably generated like tons of money for the city of Buffalo. Like, so it's always been something that like, even to this day, like once we announced that like AEW is going to be there in September, like I just started like going, like trying to think of like ways I can do things in Buffalo. And like, I'm contenting like coffee shops and, you know, I want to like DJ a set. I want to like do as much as I possibly can leading up to that show. All right. I got a couple follow-up questions. One, one's more of a statement. I'm very excited that that's happening in September because that means that I can come on this trip and parlay it into a trip to Toronto. So ding, ding, ding. That's where my mind just went. Secondly, what kind of DJ sets do you do when you're DJing? What's like that vibe? Like now that the band's done, like I, I don't have, I don't, ha- I'm not currently working on like music. You know what I mean? So like my brain's still there and it wants to work. And I have this like cool thing that I want to do with wrestlers and my band friends and kind of do like shows where it's like a band guy versus a wrestler guy. And they just do DJ sets and I'll MC the thing and like do a really cool thing. And I kind of want the first one to be in Buffalo and I'll do one of my band dudes, you know, that I was in the band with. Who would you um, like comprise the teams of like, who would you bring from the wrestling side to step up to do that? You know how it is. Like there's rest, there's some wrestlers that just, don't have the personality to put them on a microphone and like, but there's <laughs> yeah. also band dudes like that. So like, sure. you, you don't, you don't want to like go putting a guitar player up there who can't talk. Like a dream would be like orange versus because orange is like music taste is like all over the place. There's times where I'll see him like vibing about lines and stuff. I don't, I like pop music that like, I don't know about and he'll just be in his own head, like listening to it. And like, I'll always ask him, I'm like, dude, what's going on? Like, tell me about that. I want to hear it, you know? And then he'll tell me about what he's feeling when he's like listening to a song. And I don't know, as a musician and as like a, I guess like a student, like I love hearing that stuff. So like, I would probably do like orange versus like a metal dude okay, and see how, see how weird the, the room is. <laughs> and like when I used to, I used to do this DJ set and it only happened when we were in Europe, I would get asked to do DJ sets and I'm like, man, my taste of music is so far, like it's so all over the place that like I will bum an entire crowd out. <laughs> so like I have to like I'm like that with karaoke. I was like, who wants like some dramatic shit? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like who it's, wants not, to it's hear just not radiohead by me. Yes. <laughs> yes. But that's what I mean. Like 
And I, I so I, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to help with uh, Violent Gentleman had me like go out and MC or like DJ a couple sets for like the NHL. Shout where, out like, to Violent Gentleman, by the way. Great, great people. Always over there. The, the greatest people. Yeah. So. Yeah, they had me do these things. And then I, I, I like would take that into account. And I was like, dude, no one wants to hear Metallica right now. Like there's no one in this room that wants to like hear like an eight minute song about like World War II. Like no one wants to hear <laughs> yeah, it. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? You know, I really took it into account. And I would make these like crazy things and I would cut out intros and like I put too much time and more effort into it. So then when I went to Europe and I started getting offers to do DJ sets in Europe. I did this thing called DJ first four, where I would just play the first four Metallica records, take my shirt off and play air guitar on a table. And that literally is it. That sounds European as fuck. People would be like, yes, like so into that. That's great. I've seen everything during those sets too. (laughs) You see people like fighting, making out, like it's, it's, it's amazing. And like, I tried to do it a couple of times in the States and like, I have to be in like a bigger city. You know what I mean? Like if I did it in like Chicago or I did it in LA, like, oh, people would be into it. But like you go to like Lawrence, Kansas and you try to do like a Metallica night. It's not working. And like Metallica is like, you know, as mainstream as that genre could be to even like gravitate those people in. But um, I, I love that you do that. That sounds super fun. Um, hopefully we can like get a sitter for the baby when we're in Buffalo so I can attend. I want to do like guest barista thing. Like I'm really into coffee. I'm going to put myself to work that week. <laughs> Great. Do you know how to do like the foam, like faces and stuff? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. But you can YouTube it. You can YouTube everything. Anything I don't know how to do. There's a YouTube tutorial. Like I had to make a cake for my daughter's birthday. And I was like, I'm, I, I don't like to hack shit when I'm doing it. I want to do it. And I want it to be awesome. So I like made this smash cake that she's like ripped apart. But it was like this ombre icing. I've never really iced a cake before in my life. But YouTube shows you what's up. So I think that you could really, you know, get a good AEW logo done. And maybe you can do Tony Khan's face in some foam. Who knows? You should do his dad with the mustache. That would be that would be good. I mean, as a mustachioed man. Yeah. As a mustache, uh, I guess like an aficionado. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first house I've ever owned. If YouTube did not exist, this house would be in rubbles. YouTube has saved my life on that and cooking and like, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have a baby, when you have a baby, YouTube's also very, very helpful. I actually have to go down a YouTube video later because our house is like, So there's like, you know, just like the inch thick of like drywall or plaster or whatever. But behind that, it's all brick. So anytime I want to hang something is like this whole fucking to do. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I literally hire a handyman that I'm like, can you come hang this picture for me? He's like, I have way more important things to do than come do one thing at your house. Um, So I need to figure some of this shit out. Football fans, check out the three and out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download 3 and Out with John Middlecoff, only on the Volume Podcast Network. I would like to circle things back here really quickly because you were talking about different bands and different things that you like to do. Um, And... I was watching uh, an interview that you did with Lexi Nair and you were talking about Scandinavian music. So, and the only thing I know about this really is like Turbo Negro. Well, that's like one of my favorite bands of all time. It's completely different than the other stuff. I'm into black metal 
black metal is like this weird thing where a lot of dudes, and this isn't for me. I don't listen to the bands that do this stuff. There's, there's bands that do like really right wing stuff, like extreme right wing stuff. And that I don't, I don't, I don't even get into it. I don't even get into it, but there's a dude named Gaul that sings for this band called Gorgoroth. He's against everything they're against. So he's like gay, but he's like this big stoic dude. Like that's the true form of like punk rock. So like when I got into like punk rock, it was obviously like established, like destroying the establishment. Right. So like you're, you're just doing this constantly to everything. And that's the reason why I have hand tattoos. And that's the reason why I'm covered in tattoos. And I think anyone else that probably is covered in tattoos would probably tell you the same thing. So when I got into black metal, it was like, whoa, these dudes are like way more punk. Like they don't care about anybody. They don't care about anything. Like this is like the most like weirdly nihilistic thing. And when I found out about Gaul, it was like, oh man, this dude's cool as hell because he truly doesn't care. I got to go see Turbo Negro in Vancouver years and years and years ago. And it was like one of like it was uh, the Commodore Ballroom, I think it was. It's like this it, the like floor kind of bounces. It's a it's a yeah. cool venue. But I remember when to see Turbo Negro there. And what's the lead singer of Turbo Negro's name again? Oh, uh, it was um he just passed away. Oh, really? It was um yeah. Oh, it, man. Uh, Hank, Hank, Hank. Hank, yeah. I mean, hell of a showman, that guy. Incredible. Was it around like 2008? No, it would have been before that. It would have been. No, maybe it was around then. It could have been around 2008. Yeah, maybe it was. Because we played Seattle. We played at New Showbox with Under Oath. And while I was playing, our tour manager came up and was like, well, as soon as you're done, take your guitar off and just run to the other Showbox because Turbo Negro is playing. I remember taking my guitar off, throwing it at him and just bolting down the street and seeing Turbo Negro in Seattle. So I wonder if they went to Vancouver like the night after. We Maybe. might have seen them like literally like that day. Yeah, yeah. It was wild. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it could have been around that. As I was like doing the math, I was like, wait, how old was I when I saw them? Yeah, that actually might add up. They could have been around that. I'm sure. I don't know how often they come through and tour in Canada, but I'm glad I got to see it. Oh, they're the best. Um, okay, growing up in Buffalo. What was growing up in Buffalo like for you? I mean, as much as it's just across Lake Ontario for me from Toronto, they're similar, but I'm sure there's tons of differences as well. What was life like for you as a kid in Buffalo? I think Buffalo, I think it's like that place. It's like, we're all winners, but like the perception of us on the outside is that we're losers because it's like, it's always, we're always getting dumped on by snow. Our teams can't win. Like our sports teams can't win. You know what I mean? Like you never hear anyone go like, yeah, Buffalo's awesome. Except for the people that live in Buffalo. And now it's become like, it's so much different than growing up. So my fiance is from LA. And when she moved to Buffalo, she's like, oh my God, this new restaurant opened up over here. And I'm like, I've literally watched a guy get stabbed there. I'm like painting this like insane picture about Buffalo. I'll give you like, when you're here, it's definitely not like Toronto. Where Toronto, you just have this like metroplex, you know, this giant metropolis like Buffalo and everything's pretty condensed in that one little area that is Buffalo. And then like, it's blue collar. There's not like a lot of white collar jobs here or there wasn't when I was a kid. So like when I was a kid, it was just kind of like, Oh man, like really, I got to work in a factory when I get older. And you know, my dad worked in a factory. My uncles worked in a factory. I thought I was going to work in a factory and I did. That was, I, I was like an engineer assistant or something like that for like, two years where I worked in a factory and like, 
I literally thought that was my life. And I remember being like, oh my God, I got to play more guitar. But I never moved. I loved it. When you grow up somewhere like that, where it's kind of hard to see beyond those things, especially like your family does it, everyone around you is doing that. They're all working, you know, in those same factories, doing all those things. And for you to be like, oh, you know what? I'm actually pretty good at guitar. I'm going to ride this out. You join the band. Everything takes off. You become a professional wrestler. That all takes off. Like pretty crazy for you to like be plucked from that. Not plucked from that. I mean, obviously you worked super hard for that. Uh, But did your family understand what you were trying to do? My family is probably like the most, they were the most supportive. And I think they like realized like I have bad learning disabilities. So like school just wasn't for me. Oh, like what? Dyslexia. Fucking dyslexia, man. Yeah. Anyone's listening to this and wants to check some stuff out. There was like a bunch of like misdiagnosis of dyslexia. And there's this other thing. I have no idea. It's called like something, something like effect or something. Basically what happens is some people can't see white and black. For me, I have to read one page like four times because it's just white and black for some reason does it. If I put like rose colored glasses on, like exactly like the term rose colored glasses, I only have to read it one time. I'm, I'm learning more and more every day about my brain. Like I never, I never paid attention to communication. I never paid attention to, you know, I, I was in a van touring at 17 and toured until I was 43 years old. That's crazy. How was it for you um, coming down from that, from being on the road for that long, uh, parlaying everything into professional wrestling? And obviously we'll delve into that, but to have um, every time I die come to an end, how has that been for you? I'm still having problems. Like I'm still having problems with it. It's, you know, my life was um, like, it's alphabet soup, right? It's, it's not like full center. You have to like look for like things, you know what I mean? So like my life was really just like a bunch of things just thrown at the wall. And then you kind of stop that. And then you have to like, realize that like, I have, I have bad problems, like, uh, with like scheduling, you know what I mean? Like it's stuff, it's just stuff like that. It, it, and it's, you know, that's the type of things that like you, you're, when you're thrown in a van at 17, like no one's really teaching you like life stuff. They're just kind of like, you just stay in a van. And then like when problems occur, you just get back in the van, you know? And uh, now it's, it's kind of like you, you kind of have to like grow up really fast and you realize like, oh man, I thought I was, I thought I was grown up. And then all these things just kind of hit you and you're like, oh man, that's okay. This is life. This is like, this is how life is without a van and a trailer, you know? I always think about like the identity crisis that kind of comes from something like that, from doing something for so long and then that coming to a stop. And then all of a sudden it's like this reevaluation of like, who am I? What am I doing? What's happening again? It's a weird way to just kind of like bob back up to the surface and take a look around and like really reevaluate what you're doing and what you want to spend your time doing after you've been doing it for so long. Like it can be such a mind fuck. Well, the, the biggest thing is like, it's not normal. Like our parents never got to walk out and have 20,000 people scream at them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like to kind of like crush the ego on that is like, it's hard, you know? And it, it, Mm -hmm. and it makes you sound like such just a wimp when you're like, you're trying to communicate it. And like, that's something I struggle with a lot of it. I'm just like, dude, just suck it up, man. You're a wimp. Like stop. Like you literally had people cater to you in a band for like years. And now it's like, 
I, I just, I had a tour manager and I had a manager and I had, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean with that, but I know what you mean where it's like, if, if people don't understand that, it's like, oh, okay, you lived a, a charmed life for a while. And now you're like, you know, back to doing whatever. I mean, you're still doing amazing other things, but it is such an adjustment when you've been doing one thing for so long. Like, it's funny, I joke about that all the time from uh, not being at WWE. We used to get all of our information on this app of like, you've got to be at this appearance. You've got this thing coming up. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm so bad at scheduling my own stuff. Like, I always joke that I'm like the worst boss I've ever had because I'm like, booking shit left, right, and center. Did I put it in my phone? Have I sent out the Zoom link? What's going on? Yeah, having somebody just kind of like corral those things for you uh, can be, yeah. When did you get into entertainment? Like, when did you start doing entertainment? Around 18, I guess, is when I like first really started doing it. Like, as soon as I finished high school is right when I started doing it. Like, I finished high school, didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I wanted to perform in some capacity. And I was like, second cities in Toronto, that's what I'm going to go do. And that was like the first thing. I was like, take my $250 and show me what to do. But yeah, I mean, when you start doing something like that from a young age and it's all you like really know is that world that, yeah, doing like. It's a completely different work ethic. Oh, totally. It's such a grind. I'm not a numbers guy. So like that was one of my big things when I was in school. One of my biggest learning disabilities was just not, I can't remember numbers to save my life. You can put them there. I have to read it a hundred times for me to even get it. And, um, once I kind of realized that that's really what real life is like, or like you have to go work in a place where like you have to pay attention to all this stuff. And my brain just doesn't work that way. So like once I could funnel it into music and kind of like get that ball rolling. And then once I realized like, I kind of know what a tune is, I can kind of like put this together. And then once I found like like-minded dudes, then it got really easy. Did you find like other like coping mechanisms to kind of help with those things, the things that you did struggle to learn, you could find little ways around it that helped you figure it out? A hundred percent. Like I I have to like explain stuff to my fiance sometimes when it like the way my brain works and especially with like music, like I don't know how to read music. So like I just picked up a guitar and it just made sense. So like to me, it was more like Tetris than it was anything. I would just make these shapes up in my head and then I would just play these shapes. So like if I wrote out music to you, it would only make sense to me and the dudes I I was in the band. (laughs) They learned your language. They had to. So like a lot of it is like X's and O's, or I'll use like squares for certain things and triangles for certain things, or I'll describe like a, a feeling or something like that. Wrestling to me is like, it's like writing a song. Once I kind of like understood how to write that song, it was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like there's an intro, there's an outro, there's a chorus, you know, you need bridges and you need like stuff like that. So like I'll see colors for certain things. That's amazing. I love that. That's like a transferable skill of like what you were doing at music to be able to apply that to wrestling. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, where, okay. So your love of wrestling, you're touring with this band. Like you said, we're on the road from 17 to 43, finding your passion for professional wrestling to the point of wanting to actually work at it, get signed to AEW and like have this other career. How the hell did you do that? That's crazy. I mean, I was obsessed with wrestling and it just never seemed realistic because there was nothing near Buffalo. I went over the border and did some, some training over there like that. I blew my ACL out when I was like 18. And that literally was the catalyst that got a guitar in my hand and got me to play like seriously. Like, and I'm, I think I'm, I can, 
talk once people like get me to talk, but I'm pretty shy. Like I'm pretty like closed inward. You know what I mean? And, um, I think that was like my coping mechanism to like blowing my ACL out. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to pick up this guitar. And then I started a band and I kind of like, I don't know, like I kind of got the ball rolling like with that just to see how it was. And then once I kind of like caught the fever, it just kept going. You know what I mean? And, and every time I die was like really easy. I always kind of go back and forth sometimes, like even just in like my own career, if I feel like something like comes together really easily, it's like, okay, cool. That's the thing I'm supposed to be doing. But then sometimes you do hit those hurdles where it's like, no, just like put your head down and grind and still get this other shit done, even though it's not coming to you as easily. It can be like such a catch 22, I find. If I'm like pushing against a grain too much, I'm like, all right, maybe I should stop doing this or like reevaluate what I'm doing. But it's, yeah, it's hard to decipher those things sometimes. I think that like what you say though, I think that that's like a, a major thing when people ask you like for advice, I think that that's the thing that, I always tell them is like persistence is really the biggest thing where like, you're going to hit a hurdle. And if you realize that that hurdle's too tough, it just isn't for you. I've had numerous conversations with people on tour where like they'll tour the band and the guys, there's a guy complaining and I just pull him aside and I go, dude, maybe touring isn't for you. Like it just, it, it isn't for you. Like if, if you're missing everything, it's not for you, man. And that's okay. Failure is literally like the best thing for success because it literally tells you where you're at. And not everything is for everyone. Just because this one thing doesn't work out for you doesn't mean like you find your other lane and you gravitate towards that thing. I always feel that way about like different successes on things too. It's like, just like, first of all, this line of work, especially is not for everybody. And that's how people get weeded out along the way is if you can hack it during some of those really tough times, I mean, grinding it out on the road, people I'm sure think that being on the road like that's super glamorous and fun and everyone's partying all the time, but it's, it's definitely not always that. I always kind of try to knock people down when they say that. It's like, oh yeah, being in a band is great. Like sitting in a 15 passenger van for five, eight, you know, eight hours, barely making it to a show, having to load equipment through a crowd of a thousand people. Like, that's awesome. Like that's, that's literally what I wanted when I want to start a van. You know what I mean? And then people are like, oh, really? You got to do that? Like, yeah, yeah. And then you think that I'm going to hang out after the show? No, I got to get back in the van and drive eight hours through the night to somewhere else. What are some of your touring hacks? How did you survive being on the road for so long? If I had a mantra, this is my mantra. Us as human beings, we put ourselves in boxes and we start with the most dumb thing. It's just like, I'm a punk. Okay. I'm in a box. I live in a house. That is a box. Every room is a box. Every single thing that we do, we're looking into a box right now. We're later on, we're going to turn a box on and we're going to watch a box. When you walk outside and you go onto a sidewalk, you're literally walking in little boxes. So like taking yourself out of the box, literally only for 15 minutes a day is like one of the most important things. So every single day I try to get out into nature. I try to like touch grass. I try to touch trees to get myself out of the box. That's been my thing since I've been probably like 20 years old. Once I realized that like, I kind of get sensory overload from this stuff, like I need to go, you know what I mean? And like, get away. A lot of times it's tough because you're stuck in a city and there's no way to like get out of that. I think it was like five or six shows ago. I went out and I was just doing grounding. I don't know. I think we were in like Kansas city or something. And there was a really nice hill next to the hotel And like when the bus got up in the morning, I was like laying on the hill, just kind of like feeling grass and stuff. And the bus like left 
And when I got to work, everyone was like, dude, what were you doing? <laughs> I like to feel yeah. nature. I like to feel grass. And I like to like get away from this, you know, like being in a box to go back to that answer of like, since the band's been done, it's been taking myself out of boxes. And you realize that like, if you've done something for 25 years, you just keep putting yourself in a box. Like I'm a guitar player. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And once you can kind of realize you can just go, Hey, you know what? Like, I love my fiance. I love my house. I love my life outside of that. That's my box. And once you can protect that box, then it's like super easy. You don't have to have other boxes. I think about stuff like that often too, especially having a daughter that like, I need to get her outside. She needs to see all these things. She needs to see the birds and the flowers and all those things. And it's so easy as like adults to be like, oh, I got to be on my phone. I've sent this email. I've got to respond to this person. I've got to do this thing. And literally, if I do that, she just looks at me and goes, ah, like screams in my face. I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Yes, I have to juggle my my work and my real life and like all of those things. But yeah, I, I, just being able to get outside and be in nature and just like break up that pattern of just like staring at your phone, the TV, whatever the fuck. Oof, it can be some heavy lifting sometimes though because it's such the norm to do. It really is. I love watching movies. I love sitting in front of the TV. I love my couch. I love my house. It's just one of those things where it's like, if you do that all the time, you're going to turn into like a robot. You meet people, especially in entertainment, where you're just like, man, I just met that dude. Oh, totally different than what I thought. And like, now I feel gross. <laughs> yeah. And it happens a lot. It happens yeah. a lot. Yeah, it does. Unfortunately. FanDuel has an all new mobile gaming app. FanDuel Faceoff. FanDuel Faceoff is where you compete in quick, fun games against other real people for real cash. It is all sorts of games that you're familiar with, like a home run derby, Wheel of Fortune, puzzle and strategy games, with more on the way. Now, contests are action-packed and last between two to five minutes so that you can play on your couch, waiting in line, during a commercial break, wherever, and on your schedule. Plus, you can practice for free anytime. Now, whether it be head-to-head, multiplayer, or larger tournaments, FanDuel Faceoff has something for you. Plus, in most contests, you're going to be matched against players of similar skill level so that you're never totally overmatched, even as a beginner. Faceoff is also tied to your FanDuel account and wallet, so you can easily use your daily fantasy funds or sportsbook winnings in the app. For me... I am a sucker forever and for always for a little Wheel of Fortune. I love me some Wheel of Fortune. So the fact that I can play this on my phone during my commercial breaks, during like, you know, ads that pop up during uh, all of our streaming products and whatnot. This is what I'm doing in my free time. One hundred percent. It just got a huge upgrade. I was playing like boring games before and now I'm in it. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's connected to my existing FanDuel fantasy and sportsbook accounts. You guys can keep some tabs on me over there. So visit fanduel.com slash sessions face off to download the FanDuel face off app and get in the game. So just visit fanduel.com slash sessions face off. Age and location restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See www.fanduel.com slash face off terms for terms and conditions. Um, okay. Pro wrestling, you're signed to AEW. How did you go from being on a band, touring as often as you guys were, doing all the things that you were doing to also parlaying things into this whole other career? Like, how the hell did you manage to find the time to do that? I think it was almost kind of like out of necessity. Things in the band were 
kind of starting to get ugly. I would say probably about 12 years ago. Oh shit. So you guys were holding on. Not like holding on. Like it just kind of like if it went kaputs 12 years ago, it would have been the same if it went kaputs like it did in December. Someone in the band literally was just creating something that made me go, fuck, I need to do something else. And it presented itself. A school literally opened up in Buffalo. Jesse, my partner, Blade, he started like going there just to get some training in. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just go and just bump around. You know, like I don't have any aspirations. I really don't have the time to like do this competitively or, you know, as a profession, but like, I'll go there and like get a workout in and whatever, you know, the more I went, the more I did it. People just kept saying like, dude, you should do this. And I started getting like offers. Like once it kind of like got out there, like people were offering like shows and or spots at least. Then I was like doing shows. I would dress exactly like I was on stage. I would come out exactly the same way. So if an ETID fan wanted to come see me wrestle, I'd be like, holy shit, I just saw that dude play guitar and now he's exactly here. But when you do that, you kind of pigeonhole yourself and then you kind of get the same offer over and over again, which is like, hey, come to our promotion. Like our top heel is going to be in the ring. He's going to have a fake guitar with him. He's going to strum it. He's going to make fun of you and you're going to choke slam him. And like, that's it it kind of stinks. You know what I mean? Like you got to get pigeonholed in there. And I was like that. And Jesse literally went, Hey man, if you want to get treated like a wrestler, look like a pro wrestler, go buy boots, get trunks and see if it's for you. And I was like, okay. And I went and I did it. And then I was like, Oh man, this is really cool. And you can probably move a lot better, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Once I kind of got the ball rolling on that, like the creativeness of pro wrestling is the same exact creative thing I use for music. And like, at first I wasn't getting it. I wasn't making sense of that part of it. And then once I realized like, oh man, there's like way more showmanship than there is. Like showmanship is like the most important thing I think in wrestling. Cause if you can't just get in the ring and like make the crowd react to anything, that's kind of hard. Like you can go out there and do a bunch of movements, but like, if you don't have the entertainment part and I was like, Oh man, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been like entertaining people for a long time. It just never clicked. And then when it, once it did, it was like, Oh, okay. Like, man, maybe I could do this. And then like offers kept coming for like actual wrestling instead of just that spot. And then Jesse was just kind of vocalizing the fact that he wanted to like do more. And we were at the time we were just working in Toronto and he was like working in a tag team. And then like, I was just in like multi-mans like all the time. It wasn't, there was never any weight on me. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, I don't know what to do with them. We'll put them in an eight man. And then once me and Jesse started like tagging, then my brain just started kind of like going, oh shit. Like, oh, if I look at us like outlaws and then kind of like come up with something that makes us kind of look like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, that's where the name came from. It was like the butcher and the blade. It has nothing to do really with like us being like butchers, but I like the idea of like normal guys going out and like kicking some ass. Well, that takes away one of my questions. Cause I was going to ask you what kind of butcher skills you had. <laughs> None. Yeah. I, to believe it or not though, I, I went to uh, eight months of culinary school. So Shut up. yeah, I do have uh, some sort of chops, but like not that yeah. And my grandfather was a butcher. Wow. Okay. Wait, why did you, what, tell me about culinary school now we're talking, I mean, wrestling's talking my language, but culinary school, we're really cooking now. It was literally, I ran track in college and I needed to figure out something to do that would keep my brain there. And I was like, Oh, I like cooking. So I'll just go do that. The worst part is that eight months was like, I probably picked up a spatula or a knife, like five times. You have to do like hotel management or something like that. So like, that eight months was whatever, but I cook every day. I love cooking. 
Have you watched The Bear on Hulu? I haven't yet. I haven't. Maddie's like one of my like oldest friends. Maddie used to let every time I stay at his house when I was like, what? yeah, when the band first started. So he lived in St. Catharines and he had a roommate and they were going to college at the time. So like the band would go over and like, you could play in a weekend, you could do like Burlington, Hamilton, Toronto, and like none of the same people would go to any of those shows. So like, there'd be like 150 people in Burlington, a hundred people in Hamilton and then like 200 people in Toronto and totally different, but you didn't want to cross the border every single time. So we would stay at Maddie's in St. Catharines and then drive to the shows and he would just come to the shows with us. What kind of cooking would you do with Maddie? We're talking about Maddie Matheson, everybody. He is fantastic. Here's the thing. He, at this point in time, he had just started. He was a shitty, he looked... <laughs> He looked like a garbage pail kid. He was like this little chubby guy, you know, like once the band kind of started rolling, like we didn't have to like, we honestly couldn't stay at people's houses anymore because we had more people with us. So like every once in a while we would stay with them. It's kind of like wrestling where like you kind of see someone and then, you know, you don't know when you're going to see them next. You know what I mean? So years later, it's probably like 2012. I'm filling in for this band and I get a text message from a guy that says, hey, you should come play under parts and labor. So I asked the band, I was like, hey, do you want to go to Toronto after the Buffalo show and play this show? And then we can drive to Boston, which is insane, by the way. I don't know if you can do the geography on that one, but the show let out at like 1 a.m. We had to drive all the way to Boston, like through the night Uh in a snowstorm. What is that? Like 10 hours, 12 hours? Yeah. And you had to deal with like border stuff again. So we were at that place and I hadn't seen Maddie in like years. I probably hadn't seen Maddie at that point in time for six, seven years. And I'm sitting there and and someone came up and was like, Hey, if you want to order food, each of us get like a $20 like per diem or something like that with this place. So I go upstairs and I'm sitting there looking at the menu and I see Maddie like bolt by. And I was like, Holy shit, that was Maddie. I go, Maddie. And he comes over and he's like, ah, you know, just <laughs> insane. And he was like super stoked that like the band was playing there. He had no idea that I was like filling in for the band, but he like loved the band. And he's like telling me, and I, I started asking him like, dude, this restaurant's amazing. Like, I wonder who owns it. And he goes, dude, I own it. And I instantly just started like tearing up. Like I got like, like friend pride. I was like, no way. Like last time I saw you, you were like a struggling like college kid. And now you're like kicking ass. You know what I mean? He's so cool. He is legit the coolest. Me and Brody King. We were in LA and it was me, my fiance, him and his wife. And Maddie texted us and was like, Hey, if you guys want, I'm doing this like book signing downtown where I had to cook for a bunch of people. And like, I can't give you that food, but I'll make sure you eat. <laughs> okay. We showed up to this thing and like, he sat us right in the middle of the place. That dude made sure that the place that we were at just kept bringing us food. It was like a thousand dollars worth of food. Like easily a thousand dollars of the food, like just kept coming out. And then we were stuffed, like stuffed. And then a tomahawk came out and he's like, this tomahawk oh came God. out. I mean, we <laughs> ate every, like maybe one of everything that was on that menu. And he came over and just hung with us. Like he would go to a table for a second, then come hang with, out with us, go to a table, come hang out with us. And like, it was incredible. He was wearing like a, a size large shirt when he should have been wearing like a 2XL or something. You talk about getting outside that box. You have somebody like that who's like, 
this chef that now has this show that he's executive producer of on Hulu called The Bear that so many people were telling me about. John and I just finished it last night and we're both like, oh my God, that show was fucking great. Loved it. I've only heard good things. It's really, really, and they're like, it's only eight episodes. I think they're only 30 minute episodes. It's awesome. The writing and it's great. The casting and it's really great. Um, And I, I was in Hawaii one time and I was in like some like surf shop and I was like, wait, is this Maddie Matheson Dickies? What? What? I think it was with Dickies. I was like, and I was like, is it the same guy? Like that chef has like this clothing line. What is going on? Like, I love when people can break out of that mold. It's like, it's ever, like you said, everyone always wants to put you in a box and you're living in a box and to be like, no, I'm not just this one thing. I have all these other interests and these other things that I can do. And to see those things be like successful for other people, like legit pumps me up. I'm super proud of his success. I, like extremely proud of his success. Like the one thing that I'm most proud about is that he is literally putting himself there. Like that is, that is a hundred percent him. There's no hiding it. He doesn't have a gimmick. He doesn't have, you know, that's, that's always been him. That's him like to a T and it's one, I'm jealous of it. You know what I mean? Where you like, you can be that free and just, you know, be yourself. And like, it's so cool to like, see him like thrive at being him. The food is just a vessel for himself. Maddie's patties. I was just saying that to John because I was explaining to John who he was last night. Like he's got all these different restaurants and stuff. But yeah, I, I always hear Maddie's patties in Toronto is awesome too. All these things to check out. Um, what other things are you working on? What else is going on in your life? We just talked about Maddie Matheson for like 10 minutes. I want to talk about you. I do a lot of things outside. I love foraging. What do you forage for? Mushrooms, mostly. How do you know which ones are not going to kill you? And once you kind of get the lay of the land, you kind of understand. And like there's copycats of all the really good ones. So like you have to basically like look under it and there's like things you need to look for. If a mushroom has like almost kind of like like a sponge under it, it's usually okay. But if it has fins, that means it's pretty bad. Like it doesn't mean it will kill you. It just means to stay away from it. What about like portobellos? Portobellos are fins, aren't they? Yeah, there's something about that though because they're like part of the turkey tail family. So it's a, it's a little different. Like the ones that like we get around here, we have like chanterelles. Um, we have bullets. We have um, morals. But morals were a bitch this year. No one really got morals because the weather was real Fucking weird this bad year. bad moral season. Sons of bitches. But those are like the Sasquatch of like mushrooms <laughs> like they only show up they literally only show up for like three weeks and like if you miss that window you're you're done i think buffalo like this area western new york popped for morals when we were in vegas la like on the west coast thing me and hannah missed the entire like season have you ever gone truffle hunting never truffle hunting i wish me too i don't know if they're around here though know where you go to it seems like a very like european thing to do i don't know where you go to do it either i have no idea it seems like like what a fancy thing to do to spend your time to go truffle hunting with a it's pig. incredible though sign me up for that what is your um go-to meal that you cook with these uh, culinary skills that you have let's use skills very 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 lightly um <laughs> for me i i love i mean i obviously love meat i'm a butcher i guess um <laughs> so yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's that and I love Asian food. So like Asian food, mm. like when we eat, I mean, we're both kind of like super health conscious too. She's a professional bodybuilder. So. Um, oh, good for her. Yeah. Also, you're like super jacked. I'm, tr- I'm getting there. And that, the, look at you go. That was a big thing too, is like realizing like, oh my God, I live with a professional athlete. 
Like I'm going to tell me about it. I'm going to start eating what she eats. And uh, I just eat a little more. My whole change was literally because of her. I was I actually, as soon as I jumped on the zoom, I was like, look at you in this t-shirt busting through this shirt. I just came back from the gym. So yeah, <laughs> I got that pump on. Um, I heard a rumor that you eat like a naked chicken wing and you're from Buffalo. Is this sacrilegious or do we like what's going on here? No one goes hard for naked chicken wings. And I was like, well, they're good. They're delicious. Why does everybody shit on it? Like for me, when I go into a burger place, if the first thing isn't just their normal burger, I'm like, what are you doing, man? Why, why do we need to have like a million things on this burger? What does that say about your burger? If a, just a normal wing is just delicious with just salt on it or maybe salt and pepper, it's nice. Are you an anchor bar kind of guy or no? If you ask someone from Philly, if you ask <laughs> someone about Philly cheesesteaks from Philly, I feel like every person <laughs> would have a different answer, right? right? Like if you ask five, there might be five different answers. Buffalo wings are exactly the same way. So like in Buffalo, like if one of my friends like are in from out of town, like say like someone from overseas came over here, I would be like, yeah, let's go to the anchor bar. So you get like that experience. But there is way better experience in Buffalo. Like you, there's this place called Kelly's Corner, which is like fantastic. Is that for Jim Kelly? It might be for Jim Kelly. I don't know. And which is also like a Buffalo legend. So, but yeah, there's a place called Kelly's Corner. It probably seats 35 people, 40 people, including the, not including the bar, maybe 50 people. The lady that works there will berate you, but then you'll get literally the best chicken wings you've ever had. I love a good chicken wing. John always shits on chicken wings when I, cause I like having them sometimes, but he's, I don't know. He's not a chicken wing guy. He, we don't need to talk about his food problems. He's got a laundry list of things that he doesn't like. We don't need to get into it, but no, I love a chicken wing. And, um, in Toronto, you get the honey garlic wings, which is not a thing in the United States. And that makes me very sad because yeah, honey garlic fucking rules. Yeah. They're, they're delicious. My buddy, uh, opened a pizzeria and he, he had, uh, he was like the first person in Buffalo to do like honey mustard wings. And it was like really delicious. And he kind of changed everything. I had a honey mustard pickle the other day. Oh, that sounds great. great. I love pickles. So last night I saw this on, uh, on this TikTok or some shit that I shouldn't be looking at. Um, but it was a ranch pickle pizza. So I made this last night and, um, unfortunately it was delicious. Here's one thing. And I don't know if this is how, like how you and John are, but I kind of grew up in LA. She grew up eating sushi when she was like three years old. So like for me, I didn't touch fish until I was probably like 23 years old. So like last night she made cod and I'm so <laughs> weird about fish. I don't do shells. Shells are weird to me. I don't do skin. How do you do a chicken wing? Well, it's different. I grew up on them. I'm talking about highbrow to lowbrow. Buffalo is a little low, little lowbrow. Like we put a lot of respect on something that's just fried, like a chicken wing that's fried. Like for her, like she grew up eating like Thai food. I don't think I had Thai food until I was like in my 20s, like late 20s. And like was super into culinary, like love it. But it just not, I wanted like the most flavor you possibly could think of with butter, cream. It's amazing. Delicious. And now it's so funny. Like since I've kind of been on this like new kind of like healthy eating like journey, that stuff grosses me out. Like now that I like think about like cream and butter and stuff like that, like I like it for like the first couple of bites. And then I'm like, dude, what do you do? Like, I, I just get sad. I'm good at having a bite or two and then leaving it. I don't need to like be indulgent and have like the entire carbonara. I can just have like a little bit of it, but I still like don't take away my butters and my creams. Keep that coming. 
I always say like that, like when we decide we're going to like, we do some stuff, I'm like, Hey, we're grownups. We can like, just throw this out. We can take like two yes. or three bites and throw it out or give it to someone. Or like, we don't have to like eat all of this. You don't have to clean your plate. You do not have to clean it all off. Um, how did you and Hannah meet? She worked for like a CBD company and she would always post about CBD stuff. So one day I just DM, literally DM'd her about like CBD products. And she was like, giving me all this information, stuff like that. And like, she's like way more of a go-getter than I am. So like, she was doing some working out in New York and she was like, Hey, I'm working in New York. I got about eight hours free. Do you want to come like hang out with me for eight hours? And I was like, yeah. And I just got in my car. I drove and um, that was it. And like, we went and ate sushi. Like I met, I saw her and met her for the first time. Like when I opened the door at the Airbnb that we were staying at. And like, that was the first time we were like standing face to face. And I remember being like, I'm fucked. Like, that's it. Like, <laughs> I, this is the person I'm going to be with the rest of my life. And like it, you know, later that night we were walking around and we were eating and like, I don't know. It was just, yeah, it was, I knew I was going to, I knew I was going to be with her the rest of my life. The first time I saw her. That's so cool. And like bold move to just have like the one Airbnb. I mean, I'm sure it worked out and obviously did work out for you. Um, but I remember when John and I first started dating and I was like, oh, we should like meet on like neutral territory when we like, like, yeah, we're gonna like hang out, hang out. Cause I remember him, he was like, called me. He's like, I'm going to come to, I was living in New York at the time. He was like, I'm going to come there and like stay with you or visit you or whatever. And I was like, okay, great. And like the next day being like, you cannot come stay at my apartment. Oh my God. I'm gonna have to look at you for like a whole weekend. Jesus. That's intense. But here we are, right? <laughs> when you know, you know. It's the best. And that like is something that like I never I never experienced. Like it never even came close to experiencing. You know what I mean? Where it was just like I was I'm such a singular person that like and you know, there's troubles every day with that, with like, you know, communicating and stuff like that. And it's like it's not a challenge though. It's it's literally like, oh man, like this is cool. I'm working through this shit. And like you're gaining more of the puzzle pieces. You know what I mean? And like, it's the best. yeah, it really yeah. is the best. And um, yeah, man, I just love her, love her to death. So oh, that's, that's really cool. cool. I love that. My last question before I let you go, why is your social media handle Andy complains? Because you are a very pleasant man. I think that's because of that. I was like, okay, well, I used to complain about like dumb things. And then once I kind of got a Twitter. And like when that was the first thing I started when it was Andy complains and like, it would be the dumbest things. I would just complain about stupid stuff. And then I realized I was like, Oh man, complaining sucks. <laughs> what a drag. But if I do it there, I won't do it in real life. That's kind of how that was the idea. Of it. And now, and then it just turned. And then now I don't even, I, I really don't complain. There we have it. Mystery solved. And Andy complains. <laughs> yeah. All right, Andy, thanks for coming to hang out with me and I will, I'll see you soon. Thank you. A big thank you to Andy for hanging out with me. And uh, yeah, guys, keep your eyes and ears peeled if you were in the uh, Buffalo area for when AEW makes their way out there. Because yeah, it sounds like Andy's going to do like a takeover of Buffalo, like many different things. I definitely want to check all that stuff out. A barista? Come on, hook it up. Or the like Orange Cassidy, like musical face-off thing. Sign a girl up. Um, all right, guys, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to Andy for joining me and hanging out with me. Uh, much, much appreciated. I always appreciate people giving me their time. I know it's like, yeah, can I have an hour of your time in the middle of the afternoon to record a podcast? So I appreciate everybody for taking a time. That goes to all of the guests that we've had and to you guys for taking an hour out and listening to us shoot the shit. 
appreciate you. Um, hit me up on social media. Let me know who you guys want to hear on the podcast. It can be from completely outside the wrestling world. You know, I'm down to dabble. I love a combo. It can be with kind of whoever. So throw a name in the hat. Hit me up. Let me know. See you guys next time. This has been The Sessions. Thank you.